There are moments in life that act as a signpost. Many signposts in our lives that point us to the one who is faithful. And as we gather in worship, we were reminded that we join many others, not only on this hill, but churches around this city, around this nation, around the globe, and throughout history that have gathered in the name of Jesus Christ. We are in a season right now where we are reminded that this empty cross is not only an empty cross, but associated with it is an empty tomb. And that changes everything because we have a Savior that is alive. Scripture says that Jesus is at the right hand of the throne of God where he intercedes for us in power. So as a church, as we follow Jesus every day and everywhere with everyone, it's not as if we follow Jesus who is long dead and buried, but rather he is alive. And to follow him faithfully into our neighborhoods, into our cities, around the world, into our office places. Everywhere we go is a very active thing, a very exciting thing. And the last month we've been in a place where we've invited guests for them to share with us how they see Jesus. And if you were with us in this season, we marveled at the fact that Reverend Andy Bales, the head of Union Rescue Mission, saw Jesus in the streets of Los Angeles. In the second week, we were reminded that Dr. Hugh Ross saw Jesus, and we can see Jesus even in science, out into the cosmos. Two weeks ago, we learned from Benny Prasad, one of the most traveled persons in the world. He's been to every country in the fastest amount of time. He reminded us that he sees Jesus in the sights and sounds of the world. And if you were here with us last week, we had our very own Jane Catherine Wolf, who shared with us how they see Jesus in suffering. And it reminds us that we can see Jesus, we can experience Jesus in some of the most unlikely places. And what a great reminder that on our 60th anniversary, we do not have the time to tell all the stories of how we've seen Jesus. And my intent this morning and our hope this morning as a staff and as a congregation is simply that we would kick off a new season committed to telling the stories of what God has done in our lives. If you have your Bibles, why don't you open them up to Deuteronomy 29. If you don't have one either with you or on a phone, it's that red book right in front of you in the pews. If you have a, a front row seat in any of the areas, there's a little cubby right behind your leg, and you can grab that as we turn to Deuteronomy 29. It's on page 162. I'm gonna read this for us in a moment. And actually, Wally, can you help me come up and move this actually? I found this. We had some friends find this, and this is very fragile here, so let's grab it nice and low. And as you turn there to page 162, I want to remind us that, thank you, Wally. Wally's getting baptized today, friends. It's going to be an amazing moment. Many others will as well. We'll talk about that in a moment. But as we get to Deuteronomy 29, I'm going to read first verses 2 through 6. Now, let me say this. This is the last State of the Union. This is the last speech. This is the last sermon that Moses delivered to the nation of Israel before they entered into the Promised Land. He was 120 years old. We all feel young <laughs> to know that truth. He was 80 when God called him to lead the nation of Israel out of Egypt to faithfully follow him. So as you hear these words, be reminded not only of that story, but this is our story, that we live in the continuation of this moment. Let me read Deuteronomy 29, verses 2 through 6. 
Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh, to all his servants, and to all his land. The great trials that your eyes saw, the signs and those great wonders. But to this day, the Lord has not given you a mind to understand or eyes to see or ears to hear. I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. The clothes on your back have not worn out. The sandals on your feet have not worn out. You have not eaten bread. You have not drunk wine or strong drink. So that you may know that I am the Lord your God. This, my friends, concludes the reading of God's Word. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this moment, and I am reminded, even as I've been out of the pulpit for a month, that you are faithful. That, God, you tell us through your word that your word is alive and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. So may its life penetrate deep into our hearts, into our minds, into this church on this day. In Jesus' name, amen. So this amazing moment that we have. In the life of a people, 40 years they've wandered in the desert. They've had highs and lows. They've had advances. They've had setbacks. There's been miracles. There's been mistakes. There's been faithfulness on the part of the nation of Israel. There's also been unfaithfulness on the part of the nation of Israel. Open those Bibles back up. You notice there it even says Moses is not painting this rosy picture of the last 40 years as God speaks through him. It's very real. It's very acknowledging the fact that there's been amazing signs and wonders, yet there's also been trials. There's been God's provision. And there's been seasons and times where it feels like God is absolutely absent. And when you think about our story as a church, as we've experienced these last 60 years, there's been highs and lows. There's been advances, there's been setbacks. There's been growth and seeming retraction. There's been faithfulness on our part, unfaithfulness on our part. We've seen signs, we've seen wonders, we've seen miracles. We've made mistakes. There's times where we absolutely know that God is present in our midst and there's seasons where it feels as if God is absent. And what I love about God's Word is it speaks to us in our lives in a very real way, in a way that acknowledges every single one of us, our fears, our doubts, our hopes, our dreams, our excitement, our discouragement, our doubt, all the things in life. God meets us in Scripture. And Moses reminds the nation of Israel and reminds us here today why God allowed all those things. Why the highs and lows? Why the advances and setbacks? Look again, verse 6. Moses reminds the nation of Israel at the age of 120. God's speaking through him. I have done this so that you may know. That word know is so much more than just a head knowledge. It's not something that happens from your shoulders up. But the Hebrew word for know is a deeper sense. It's a relational, intimate, experiential interaction. And God is saying through Moses, I did all these things so that you may know that I am the Lord your God. 
And Baylor, we need to know that God has allowed all the things in these last 60 years, not so that our name as a church would be great, not so that we would be known to the ends of the earth, not that one pastor or one department or one season or one era would be known above anything else, but all of that was allowed so that we, we may know, we may experience, we may taste, we may feel in the deepest core of who we are, that we have a God that is for us, not against us. That we have a God that is faithful, that we have a God that is present, that we have a God that is good, that we have a God that is always for us, always pursuing us, even when it seems like we're not for him, we're not pursuing him. And as you gather in this place, you have memories, highs and lows. And scripture wants to define that for you to say all of those things that you've experienced are so that you will be drawn closer to me, God says. That you would know me in a deeper way, a richer way. But what's so amazing about this, as you look at this again, is that in verse 2, you've got those Bibles open, it says this, Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, you have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes. He doesn't say you've heard about. He says you've seen. Now, if you're a good student of the Bible, you know that this was spoken to a generation that is 40 years after the events of the parting of the Red Sea, after the amazing rescue out of Egypt. And yet Moses is saying to a brand new generation, the children and the grandchildren and those that were still there, you've seen with your own eyes the miraculous things that God has done. But if you stay, take a step back and you actually look at the history, you actually begin to realize that the people that Moses was speaking to, they hadn't seen it with their physical eyes. Some were infants, some weren't even born yet. So how could all of Scripture be true how could all of Scripture be authoritative? And how can Moses say to a group of people, you've seen with your own eyes, and yet it seems like they didn't? This truth is essential for us today because Scripture says that there's a deeper way to see. In 2 Corinthians 4.18, it says that we fix our eyes not on things that are seen, but we fix our eyes on things that are unseen. The writer of Hebrews says that Moses had his eyes and saw an invisible God. And yes, there were things that they saw with their physical eyes. There were things that they experienced, they saw and they touched, but they were so committed to telling the next generation what they saw that that new generation heard those stories, it informed their identity, it shaped how they saw God, how they saw themselves, and they were able to see those same things with eyes of faith. They were able to see as if they were there the parting of the Red Sea. They were able to see as if they were there the rescue out of Egypt. They were there to see with their own eyes as if manna falling from heaven because they had eyes of faith because the community was willing to tell the story. The truth is that every single one of you has experienced, has seen God at work. And it's going to take our whole church to tell the whole story. 
I don't know the whole story. You don't know the whole story. I don't know where this is from. Other than it was in Evans Chapel yesterday. I wonder the sermons that were preached from this pulpit. I wonder what's happened in these pews over the years where somebody made that decision to reconcile their marriage. I don't know what's happened down on that parking lot where someone for the first time looked over on that view and said, I have a God that is bigger than I can see. I don't know what's happened up in the offices or in the classrooms, in your hearts, in your cars, in your homes, in the life groups that you lead to the ends of the earth as you serve in Egypt and in the Congo and all the places. I don't know those stories. We don't know those stories. But if you would be committed, like the nation of Israel, to simply tell the stories of what God has done, then we as a people, as a whole church, will be able to see with spiritual eyes. And as the writer of Hebrews says that therefore, in Hebrews 12:1, therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses that we should cast aside every weight, cast aside the sin that clings so closely, and we should run the race with endurance set before us, fixing on our, our eyes on who? Jesus. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the, what is it? For the joy. What a word. For the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. And now we see at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, we as a church, the only way we're going to follow Jesus every day and everywhere with everyone is if we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses telling of God's faithfulness, of what God has done. We have all over our campus today opportunities for you to tell your story. If you're here with us on campus, down on the lower level, you'll see in our prayer chapel, we have a whole team that's going to be set up after the service where you can tell your 60-year story in 60 seconds. Keep it tight. Keep it short. <laughs> they asked me not to go in there. They knew I couldn't keep it within 60 seconds. There's an opportunity for the overlook for you to write down what Beller means to you and to take a photo and to share it on social media. If you go inside the Discipleship Center, there's actually a timeline from when our church began all the way to now, and you can put your name on a sticker and put it on there. We can see as people have come to this church over the decades, there's words that you can write down and paste on the wall of your favorite memories here at the church, but also look in your pews. There's something that's there. Look down. There's a, a card. Some of you in the front row might have to reach around behind, but there's a, a, a card that says, I see Jesus in. And we're going to have that there, and our goal is for the next year, hear me on this one, our goal is for the next year to not have one Sunday go by where we don't tell a story, your story, of what God has done in and through this church. There's so many different ways you can tell stories. We're going to explore the creativity of that over the next year. One of the ways in which some will tell their story is through baptism today. One of two sacraments that we have as a church, we have not only communion, but we also have baptism. Communion is a reminder of the links that Jesus went to on our behalf. As you leave today, you'll notice on the narthex the original communion table here on campus. And as we do every week in our Sunday night service and once a month in the morning, we celebrate 
the Lord's Supper. We're reminded of Christ's body broken, his blood shed for us. Where we could be reminded and experience the very real presence of God. But baptism is another sacrament that points to outwardly what's true on the inside. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 6, he says, don't you know that those of us who are baptized were baptized into Christ Jesus into his death? And if we've been buried with Jesus in his death, then we're also risen to new life. And there's this great truth that today that there are going to be people, some who have already signed up and some who will spontaneously choose to do so, who have given their life to Christ, who have said yes to Jesus spiritually. They are dead to sin. They are alive in Christ. They are a new creation. God looks at them and says, you are my child. You are my precious possession. You are mine. And water baptism is simply a symbolic way to go public with what's already true. And you'll see on the campus something that we've not done on our campus. We're going to have full immersion baptism right outside during this service. And as you see people go underwater, you will be reminded that they are dead to sin. And as they come up out of it, see, here's the great thing. Jesus, he rose from the grave. He's not still in the grave. We don't keep him underwater. We bring them up out of the water because they are alive in Christ. And as we go outside, there's going to be a moment where we're going to experience together. You're going to have song sheets that are given to you as you leave. We're going to sing with the choir. We're going to sing together. And as people go underwater, I want you to yell as loud as you can, dead to sin. Let me hear you practice. Dead to sin. First try, that was good. And when they come up out of the water, I want you to yell, alive in Christ. Let me hear you say, alive in Christ. Those words, they echo across eternity. It's not the water that saves, it's Jesus Christ. The only requirement to be baptized is faith and trust in him. And so some of you, you've said yes to Jesus. Some of you might say yes to Jesus five minutes from now. Well, Scripture says, believe and be baptized. What a great opportunity for you to go public with your faith. Some of you were baptized as infants. What a glorious, amazing thing that that is. Within our denomination, we have renewal of our baptismal vows. You're not getting baptized again. You don't need to be rebaptized. But some of you, if you want to now as an adult, now looking back on when you chose Jesus as your Lord and Savior, want to affirm the choice that your parents made for you, your guardians made for you as a kid, you can be baptized as well but it points to the one death, the one resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's going to be so much that's going on afterwards. We're going to have different food throughout the campus. And what a great reminder that we are a church. We get to pitch in together. In fact, some of you, you might see a long line, and rather than wait, you might get behind and help serve because that's who we are. Some of you might see, gosh, there's not enough chairs. Rather than complaining, you might go look for a chair to bring it. In fact, if you want to serve, if you want to grill, you can even meet right afterwards in our discipleship. There's so many different ways that we can serve. But let me say this, that we are committed. We are absolutely committed to one thing. And it stems back to this question, why do we exist as a church? Why? Is it because we've always been here? Is it because, you know, we've got a good thing going and we might as well keep it going? Is it because we've been here for 60 years? Is it because... uh, Gosh, this is a nice space and we want to be good stewards of it. Why do we exist? Well, Moses reminds that all the things happen so that we would know 
that the Lord our God is ours. Baylor, we do these things because we long to make Jesus known every day and everywhere with everyone. That's why we follow him. So that our friends, that our coworkers, that our family, that our neighbors, those we are in line with at the grocery store would know Jesus Christ personally through our witness, through our lives, through our boldness, through our courage as we follow Jesus in those amazing areas of life. There's a cross here that has been to the side of the sanctuary since this beautiful place was built. We moved it to this space on Easter Sunday. Now I know for many of you in this section, it kind of gets in the way of the screen. I've gotten a couple anonymous notes. Drew, the cross is in the way. (laughs) Hey, let me say this though. If the empty cross can get in the way of you for the rest of your life, amen. Amen. Man, because I need the empty cross in the way of my selfishness, in the way of my bitterness, in the ways that I think I'm right. But we are going to move this cross back to its original location. But before we do so, I know some of you are clapping. (laughs) Hey, but hold on. Let me say this. This cross has the ability to hold our prayers, literally. And I want you to hear this. There are people that are in your life that are not in my life that need to know Jesus. There are people that you have access to, that you have relationships with, that I don't know, that our staff doesn't know, that our pastors don't know. God absolutely wants to use you to be a light, to be a witness, to be hope, to speak the truth into their life, to speak love into their life. I want you to think of a name right now, of a friend, a colleague, a family member. And as we leave today, there is a station within our fellowship hall, our discipleship hall, where you can write down their first name and put it up onto the glass wall. And when we move this cross back to its original location, we are going to take all of those names and we're going to put it inside that cross. And my hope and my prayer is that every day you show up and you see it, that you'll notice it, that you'll be reminded of that name that you'll add names to those names. And you would say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you every day and everywhere with everyone because I want to make you known. And I am committed to that. And the only way we're going to get that courage, the only way we're going to be able to do that is if we hear stories, if we are surrounded by a great cloud of witness. But let's, let's start with one story, a story that's simply represented by this, this picture. This was the groundbreaking of this site. What an amazing moment. And you'll notice right there in the middle, Colleen Townsend Evans, the wife of the original founding pastor of this church, to our left, to her right, that's Louis Evans Jr. The first gathering, you're going to leave that up for a little bit, that first gathering for this church was at their home, just miles from here, on April 8th, 1956. Wow. You see some of the people there representing that original building committee. You see two of the four of their children, those two boys, Tim and Dan, grabbing those shovels. I understand that their favorite part was holding the the dynamite uh, thing. (laughs) 
We don't have that photo that I'm aware of. But I look at that moment, and I wonder if they had any idea the fruit of their labor. I wonder if they had any idea the tens and thousands of lives that would come to Christ because they were willing to roll up their sleeves and do the work. They've seen things. You've seen things. But Scripture also says that one day we will be face to face with God and though we know in part now, we will one day fully know. You have those stories. They need to be told. And in the same way that you tell those stories, you need to roll up your sleeves. You need to do the hard work. No more spectating. It's about us as a church, as a family, doing our part, rolling up our sleeves and saying, yes, this is my family. This is my church. This is who we are. And I am part of a long line of faithful men and women who some days weren't faithful, but they served a God that was. We have Tim and Dan here right now, those young boys right there. They're still young boys. And if they could, would you mind standing for a moment, those two young gentlemen? You know, we've also got uh, another surprise for you. And in fact, I'm going to have the radiant Colleen Townsend Evans. She's officially. <laughs> I'll be standing right here with me. Mm, 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 mm. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, God bless you. Oh, oh. Now, I'm going to have you grab a seat. And Colleen, I've got a gift for you while you stand here. She's so sweet. She just leaned over to me and says, you were just like Louie. Who is with us today? He is with us today, absolutely. How amazing that the founding pastor of this church is in the presence of the one that we serve. He sees fully all that he taught about, all that he led people to Christ. You think about the amazing moments, but we've got a gift for you. And any tangible thing, any physical thing, anything purchased would absolutely fall short, I believe. And so rather, I want to allow you to see with your physical eyes just a portion, just a snapshot of the fruit of your labor, your family's labor, your husband's labor, and all that you represent. So as you look out, knowing that there's many that are not here that are represented by this group, there's many online as well, but I just want you to look out and watch this. If you first came to know the ministry of Beller Church at least 60 years ago, would you stand up? Wow. 
And stay standing, Rafer here, and stay standing. Boy, in those humble beginnings, and if you first came to know the ministry of Bel Air Presbyterian Church at least 50 years ago, would you please stand up and Coke, look at this. And 40 years, please stay standing. We're going to sing a great song that you're going to love in a moment, but please stay standing. If you need help, have somebody help you stand, but at least 40 years. Wow. How about 30 years? 30 years? Because they make the white wild. Look at this. And 20 years, at least 20 years. Wow. There's even behind you here. So great. Now, how about 10 years? 10 years. Please stay standing still. 10? Now, just in the last five years, five years? Wow. Now, in the last one year, last year. Wow. Now, now hopefully you made it on time, but it lasts, at least the last 60 minutes. <laughs> right there? Yes. Put your hand up. To the back. All right. So, Coke, you are affectionately known as Coke, and as you look out at this group of people, this is just a small, small, small sliver of the fruit of God's faithfulness through you. Thank you for your willingness to roll up your sleeves and to do the hard work. You inspire me, you inspire us. And how amazing that in Deuteronomy 29, Moses goes on to say that this covenant is not only for those of you in my presence, it's for those that aren't even here, the future generations to come. Amazing, amazing what God has done, is doing, and will do. Not because of our faithfulness, but because of our God who is faithful. Why don't we sing this beloved hymn together as we do so? Colleen, why don't we come back down? Let's thank her again. God bless you. God bless you.